Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Isaac Palmer. I am here live in the Lance J studio with Lance J himself. That's right. Uh, working the boards. We've got another special guest for you, Dr. Abdullah Pratt. He is an ER physician on the south side of Chicago. I met Dr. Pratt through Dr. Michael McGee, uh, who is uh, partnering with me with, uh, with Match Foundation in Chicago. Dr. McGee is the only... Uh, operates the only black-owned urgent care in Chicago. Wow, how is and, that even uh, possible? In Southside Chicago, and I, I, I would was never there think for that that's event. possible. I, yeah, right. There's but only I, I one black-owned urgent care in Chicago. It's that's amazing, that's unbelievable. Uh, but that's I was, I was itself. at his place for an event, and Dr. Pratt was there. And Dr. Pratt, you probably don't even remember I was there, or because I don't think we met at the time. But he was doing a workshop on stop the bleed. Uh, he was teaching young kids what to do if a friend of theirs is shot and how to mm. how to stop that bleeding mm. with uh, some household items or things you have in your purse, and just a just just that fact alone right. causes you to stop that that there are places in America right. where we have to teach that to kids to save someone's life or their yeah. limb, right? So, D- Doctor Pratt, talk about what you do, what else you do, what do you do in the community? Um, and then, and then we'll go from there. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, brother, for having me. Uh, it's truly an honor. Uh, I'm, you know, born and raised on Chicago South Side. I'm literally sitting in front of my emergency department right now on my first day off all week. Uh, and I'll paint it to you just a picture today, and then we'll talk about some of the things that you know I find passion in doing. I uh, got up, you know, had a career day that we set up in Inglewood at a, a Johnson College Prep uh, right across the street from St. Bernard. So that's in the heart of Inglewood, um, uh, where a lot of the violence comes from. And we had such a wonderful day. We brought violence preventional experts, uh, healthcare professionals to that school to try to work with that youth. And I run programs out of that school already. So being able to do that was refreshing. Uh, but then left there and came straight to the university where a different program that's run by another black physician, uh, a, our head of our cath lab, our cardiac cath lab, uh, Brian Smith. Uh, in fact, you know, he's one of the few brothers trained in advanced uh, heart failure, uh, cardiology, and he's you know, our senior member of our cath lab, and he's a young brother as well. has been like a big brother to me since I was in medical school. We both graduated medical school at UChicago, him about five years before me. So worked with about 20 more students, teaching them how to save lives with um, you know, CPR, AED use, and being able to learn how to stop gunshot wounds themselves. Uh, and this program for his students are very similar to mine, and I'm very partnered with theirs in my program. Uh, and these students get to see heart transplants. They get to work at the number one, you know, now Chicago is ranked as the number one heart transplant center in the wow. country. And these are students from Kenwood High School, Limp, which is, you know, right just south, of, you know, right just south, uh, north of our campus, uh, that sees violence itself, but also houses the homes of you know, Minister Louis Farrakhan and Barack Obama and all of those come from the Kenwood neighborhood, uh, but also has the dichotomous other side across 47th Street, um, where you have a ton of violence just right there in that area and leads the country right down 47th Street in violence. Uh, so students from there, as well as West Inglewood, uh, where the Lindblom students are from, uh, they thoroughly enjoyed that. And just as I was leaving about to go home to my sick children, uh, you know, they, they're okay, they're a little ill, you know how it is this time of year. Um, then I got a call from a mother who now I'm in front of the ER because her son, who I mentor, you know, he's, you know, three, he's six foot seven, 360 pounds, should be in the NFL, but he struggles from extremely bad PTSD that stems from two of his close friends being murdered in front of him 
two mm. different instances uh, in Inglewood, Chicago, growing up. And I took a liking to him because a few years ago, when I was just a new attending out, I saw him dragging like six cops through the through the ER, tossing them, turn, you know, all over the place. And me being able to just help him calm down by saying, "Hey, big guy, what can I do? I'm the one in charge here. I'm not here to arrest you. None of these things." He was able to calm down, but he struggles with cyclical vomiting that triggers his PTSD and vice versa. And mm. Now he has erosive gastritis uh, and esophagitis where he vomits mm. blood often. But he's triggered by the sights and sounds of the city. And he had been out of the mm. city in Northwest Indiana, you know, for a year or so and had been doing well. And I just got a call. He just got back to Chicago maybe a couple months ago. And as the violence picks up, that triggers his PTSD. So now he's in our, you know, psychiatric area, you know, dealing with bumps and bruises, all of that from this break that he's having all stemming from violence. So, you know, probably running there and just see him and let him know that somebody in there cares about him and that, you know, as a big brother that I'm here for, that we're not going to leave him hanging. So that's what my days usually look like, you know, um, when I'm not just in the ER, in the trauma center. Uh, but it's doing those type of works that allow me to sleep because I know that every day, you know, the community needs more and more. And it's not enough of myself or, you know, Isaacs or, or any of us or Dr. Mike McGee's to do that work. So, you know, it's just that extra burden, but but it's why we do it. So, so I'm here with you, brothers, thankfully. Let me jump in. And then right after this, I'm, I'm going to jump in and holler at this mom and, and this young man. Dr. Pratt, first of all, so <clears throat> salute to you from, from Nashville and everyone at Urban One, Radio One in D.C. This, this Isaac, encapsulates the stories from people that are actually in this war. Mm-hmm. in the streets and one of the things i talk about so much on the show and, and because of the access that i have there are people that politicize what's going on on the south side of chicago and they use it to paint african americans as animals and subhuman and and individuals with no self-control and they use it for their own political gain and what you're doing is you're giving us the perspective of the fallout from the violence, the the fallout from the the drugs, the fallout from the PTSD, how you actually treat that. I'm curious, and Isaac, you can jump in. How does it make you feel? Because Chicago is used in politics to paint African-Americans with a broad brush as as hmm. failures. And, and Mayor Lightfoot is, is excoriated around the country by the far right as a failure. And I think rather you can get into the politics or not. I say all the time, Isaac, I don't care what your politics are. I don't care if you're red state, blue state. My job is to make sure that everyone has the best health care possible. I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, LGBTQ, uh, transgender, whatever you have going on. I want to make sure that you have the best health care possible. I'm not into your politics and your religious beliefs and all of that stuff. But but how does it feel to have that stigma of what's going on in Chicago when you two gentlemen are people that are on the ground floor, you're taking care of people that have needs and nobody's thinking about the politics stuff when you have someone that you have to talk to a mother because they're vomiting blood, Isaac. I can't even imagine what that would feel like to to, to be in a, trapped in a body that's going through that level of trauma. Oh, man. I mean, I think that it, it's something that triggers myself, right? I'm yeah. a, you know, 350-pound like, you know, black men who played college football okay. um, at Valparaiso myself. So I saw, you know, him a, bit, a bigger, better version of myself with potential when he was 17. And the worst part that I saw in this brother is that I saw cops who had purposely left their guns in their car but in, and willingly took the beating uh, because they knew that if they had their guns on them, they would shoot them. They would shoot them. Uh, mm. that, that's what I saw the first time. And they said that. They, they told me, 
he's going to get himself killed. And the mother is struggling with PTSD because every time this happens, she thinks that her calling the ambulance is calling somebody to come kill her son, right. man. So this is the reality of it. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. Um, it has been horribly politicized. Um, as someone who's lost my older brother and most of my, you know, very close friends to gun violence on the mm. south side of Chicago, mm. um, I, I take personal, you know, hits when I see the fact that, you know, gun violence is politicized. It's used on both sides, yeah. whether you're Democrat, Republican, right or left, to pay, to do what they want to yep. do, execute their mission at the time. So whether it's to say we need stronger gun laws, but the rebuttal is that Chicago and Illinois have the strongest gun laws. If it's to say, well, it's not guns on the other side, they say criminals, it's not guns that kill people. Criminals to scratch off people. the serial numbers. I'm a, I'm a gun guy, so I have lots of guns. Yeah. And have lots of hours of gun training. Yeah, it don't criminals, matter. they scratch the serial numbers off. They're not they're not they getting go. their guns at the local you know, <laughs> store. I mean, they're getting them all. underground. So, right. Right, right. And so the other side says people kill people. Guns don't kill people. Right. But then they don't have a solution to how you recover those people. Mm. And whenever, this is the worst part, whenever we try to get into okay, if you're telling us these zip codes lead the country in violence, when we try to dedicate resources, say, okay, well, let's steer some of this money towards these communities, steer some of these, you know, resources and healthcare workers, violence preventionists specifically here, then all of a sudden those same political entities talk about, well, you know, all communities of color need help. Right. Uh, and they're, and they're so all, yeah, and that's on the right and the left. They both have an all lives matter approach when it comes to specifically targeting black communities to help. And that's the issue is that the problem is specifically pointed out when it helps people get, uh, execute their agenda, but the solutions will never, aren't ever specific enough. And that dilutes the money that's already scarcely available. And then so you have people like myself and Mike McGee and others who do this work for free at the expense of our families, at the expense of our own health as black men, uh, already facing an uphill battle for ourselves and lower life expectancy. Uh, and many times these works are not supported. They're not supported by institutions. They're not supported by the government, by anyone. Even when you have worked with, you know, say like myself, 2,500 students in Chicago public schools on the South Side in two years, you still struggle to even find someone that's willing to fund it. But we look around at, you know, $100,000, $500,000 non-for-profits that literally work with five or six youth every year uh, and tout poor outcomes, uh, and, and, and they are able to keep going. Dr. So I Pratt, I got I gotta, I gotta, I gotta to jump in. We could go another 15 yeah, minutes, but uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you so much. Me too. What What is lasting with me is when you said you saw yourself in this young man. Right. And that is yes, so that's such a powerful benefit to the, the ER that you're working in uh, for patients to to for you to, to to view their humanity. That's what I'm trying to say. You view, you see the humanity that a lot of white doctors and the white healthcare system just does not see uh, when, yes, when we show up for healthcare. So I thank you for calling in. We will definitely have yes, you back because we scratched the surface here. There there's a lot going oh, yeah. on in the South Side that this wow. man has a a uh, front row seat for you that we need to learn from. Thank you. No, it's truly it's truly an honor, brothers. You know, anytime you let me know, even if I'm in the ER and you hear the ER sounds, you got me. And, you know, I'm always happy to call it. It's truly an honor. Live from the Paragon 7 Studios, you are listening to the Land J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios.
Page, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Ate off like the assassin, now I'm blasting, I'm taking over. Stick you for your blue range rover. I told you, Rampage, your real life soldier. Been in the game since the age of 13. James Lewis. Dwelling south of the Hudson, New Jerusalem in seclusion. Uh, Using fake suit and yeah. I'm true bad. Mine travels like a schizo with two tabs with do-rags hanging from my pocket. Huh. What, boy? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. The Cook's Nook, Mosaic Meals, and Mosaic Meals to go because everyone deserves a delicious, nutritious meal. We're a purpose-driven food and nutrition services group created to help organizations and their clients make meaningful improvements and advancements toward equitable access to proper nutrition and food security within their diverse communities. Contact us today to learn more about our nutritious, delicious mosaic meals at 512-710-6665 or online at mosaic at mosaicmeals.com. 